Okay, so Luke 7, 36 to 50. And we're reading from the ESV. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Good morning. It's uh, really good to be here, and uh, it's been a, a, it's a blessing to be together. This is the preamble before the message, right? Uh, I think about a year ago, Michael and I started getting together uh, to, to pray and to talk and to share, and it's been a real blessing to be able to do that. Uh, we get together once a fortnight, and uh, we're really thankful that we can share in the ministry of our Lord and Saviour Jesus in this town. Uh, and surrounds, and um, we uh, look forward uh, to the future in that light. Um, we were going to be together for day camp, uh, and uh, that got cancelled for one reason or another, or just one reason, And um, but we decided we should go ahead and have our combined service, so it's a, a privilege to be able to stand before you today. Uh, in our day camp topic, as uh, Sue put forward, uh, we were talking about Jesus as Saviour, Lord and Friend, and the passage I'm preaching on today is about the first part. It was one of the passages we'd chosen about Jesus as Saviour. What did Jesus save us from? You can yell out. Sin? Death? What, what was that, sir? I shouldn't ask questions, I'm deaf. Judgment, yes. 
the devil, yeah, the world, the flesh. There's a bit of combination of all those things. Uh, actually, all of this comes from death. Uh, all this comes from sin in the beginning, because uh, you see, the judgment and the judgment of death came because Adam and Eve took the fruit, and Jesus said, uh, "Sorry, God said, if you eat of this, you will surely die." Yeah. And the devil's power comes because he has the ability to accuse us of our sin, doesn't he? Uh, and the world is locked in this destructive cycle of sin, which is rebellion against God. So Jesus defeated sin, so he defeated the devil because he disarmed the devil. The, de- the devil has no basis for accusation. Uh, he c- you can say when the devil says to you, you've sinned, yeah, that's true but I've been forgiven. He's taken our sin. He's given us a perfect righteousness. He took our sin. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And in giving us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads us away from sin. Sin is no longer the foregone conclusion for our lives. Okay, all of this is to say Jesus saves. And uh, we're going to go through this passage in Luke 7 and just look at what that salvation looked like for this woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a group of people who tried very hard to obey the law of God. Is there anything wrong with that? No, nothing at all, is there? They tried very hard and so what they tended to do was to make laws to protect them from the law. Can you imagine that if, if we said, don't touch that chair, that's one of the laws of God, right? And the Pharisees would say, well, just in case we're going to touch that chair, we're going to build a six-foot-high tiger wire fence four metres back, a bit of social distancing with the chair, um, so that nobody touches that chair. And then sometimes, you know, maybe that fence could blow over, we'll build another fence outside that fence and a wall to make sure you, don't, you understand. So they were, they were being very, very careful to obey the law. But one of the problems with that is that they started to think, or some of them did for sure, that God's acceptance of them was based on their goodness. In other words, they'd earned God's favour, his acceptance. Jesus said that a number of times. Even though the Old Testament was absolutely clear, there was a way to forgive sins. What was it? To go to the temple, to have an animal sacrificed in your place, someone to take your place. And uh, so you couldn't, it was never the view that by your goodness, God would accept you. You needed a sacrifice. And we know that that sacrifice is Jesus. Okay. Jesus actually told a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Do you know that one? And, uh, you know, they both went to pray. But it starts with this. He said, he said to them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So they thought they were righteous by themselves. And they treated others with contempt. Well, that's a natural flow on, isn't it? If you think you're righteous by yourself, you look at others with contempt. Is that true? Who here is better than anyone else? No one admits to it, but we all think we are. Okay. Is that not true? Come on, let's be honest today. You know you're better than others, aren't you? 
Yeah, well, okay. Right. There's nothing wrong with being trying to be obedient, but we always know that our righteousness, all of our holiness comes as a gift from God through Jesus. So we try to be good. We don't try to be good to make ourselves holy and righteous because we've been made holy and righteous. We try to be holy and righteous in accordance with the holy and righteousness, holiness and righteousness he's given us. That makes sense. Okay, that's a background to Pharisees. They were reclining at the table. That means they sort of had low tables in those days and they would actually lay down with their feet away from the table. They'd sort of lay around a table. Uh, so they're reclining at a table and a woman of the city uh, who was a sinner learnt that he was there and he went to the Pharisees, uh, she went to the Pharisee's house. She bought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, this woman had lived a sinful life. She was a bad lady. It doesn't say she was a prostitute, but it's kind of inferred. Uh, you can't really tell. Uh, maybe she just had a really shady husband or something and she was, had a bad reputation in town. But probably, uh, it, it, the way Simon reacted, you think that she may, she may have been sexually immoral. And, uh, and certainly the, the deep guilt that comes with, uh, and shame that comes with sexual immoralities sort of seems to be what was happening through her. But she heard about Jesus and obviously she felt incredibly dirty and unclean. And then standing behind him, she began weeping. She wet his feet with her tears. That's a lot of tears, isn't it? That's a lot of tears. And with her hair, she, uh, she wiped his feet. She kissed his feet and she anointed him with ointment. Why so many tears? She, she's obviously overcome with her guilt, overcome with her shame. She's... She knows she's a sinner, doesn't she? It's, it's obvious to her. And also there's this knowledge that this man is someone special, maybe even holy. If you're full of sin, it'd be a frightening thing to be in the presence of a very holy person, wouldn't it? Yeah. She was brought low. She was completely Humbled. I mean, it is a humbling thing if you think of someone with dirty, smelly feet to think of wiping their feet with your hair. Isn't it? That's a very humble act, isn't it? That's lowly. She kissed his feet. That's a very lowly act too, isn't it? And she poured perfume on his feet. Now, I don't know. Have you ever thought what that would be? I mean, I, I, I just thought it'd be, it'd be, you'd be very self-conscious if someone was doing that to you. Would you? Yeah? Jesus didn't seem to be. He actually thought, it seems like he was saying her actions are appropriate. If you think about it, he was actually the son of God. Well, he is. He's the son of God. Uh, and she put, poured perfume on his feet and, 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 and did all that. Actually, her actions were a right act of worship, weren't they? Maybe a few more people should have been doing that towards Jesus. She understood something about Jesus that a whole lot of people didn't get. She understood his holiness, his lordship, his kingship. She understood that he was an incredible person. And she didn't care what other people thought. 
Jesus thought that this was appropriate. He was the son of God. Can you get that? Uh, last week for us, uh, we, we've been uh, working our way through Romans and we talked about Romans 2 verse 4, uh, which is a passage which is talking about when you condemn others, when you look down on others, when you judge others. It says, uh, Paul said, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? What leads you to repentance? I just said it. God's kindness. Do you hear that? What leads you to repentance? Putting a big heavy guilt trip on people, right? That'll lead them to repentance, surely. That might actually lead them to a false God. What leads people to repentance? The kindness of God. Did Jesus condemn this lady? No. He... I can't picture the situation, but just picture her beginning to cry, beginning to wet with tears, beginning to wipe with her hair. Would she be thinking, am I about to get a kick? Am I about to get kicked out? Am I about to, am I about to be told what I am? He didn't do that, did he? He didn't condemn her. He actually showed kindness to her. And what did that bring? Well, an even greater repentance and even greater sorrow over a sin. Can you see that? God's kindness leads us to repentance. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited us saw this, he said to her, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she's a sinner, if this man was a prophet. And of course, he understands what Simon's thinking, so obviously he is a prophet. But... But what the Pharisee was saying is, you don't associate with sinners. Yeah? You might catch sin off them. Don't hang around them. Build the fence around them. The Pharisee was actually a very fearful man, wasn't he? And he had no compassion on sinners. He looked down on them because he had forgotten or he hadn't realised that he was saved by grace. You understand? As soon as you go from the point of realising you are saved by the incredible kindness and grace of God, you will look down on others. It's just a natural thing. Yeah? Right, stay awake, everybody. This is good stuff. Not because I've said it, but because God has. Okay. You're saved by grace. In other words, we must be people who view other people, including sinners, through the gospel, through the good news of what Jesus has done. And then, rather than be those who are judging them and looking down on them and holding them with contempt, we can be those who tell them about the grace and kindness and the forgiveness and the love of God. Yeah? If you see your own righteousness as self-created, if you see there's anything in you that is causing your righteousness, you won't associate with other sinners in your eyes because you basically won't think they deserve to be saved. He thinks he's better than the others, this Pharisee. He thinks the reason he's acceptable to God is because he's good. But she poured out so many tears because she knew how bad she was. 
She didn't need the Pharisee to tell her. She didn't need condemnation. The Pharisee looked at, his own, at, her, own, at her sin, not his own. Okay. You see, the Pharisees actually stayed far enough away from sinners that they prevented them from hearing about God's message of grace. They, they were so focused on the law, they never told people about the temple where you, had, where you got your sins forgiven, which Jesus, of course, was, a, was the fulfilment of that temple where all of our forgiveness had come. So Simon thinks Jesus doesn't know what sort of woman this is. Jesus does know. He doesn't, he's just not condemning her. That doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, hey, go on living the way you are. Remember what Jesus said to that uh, other sinful woman who came to him when people came with rocks? Um, he said, um, go and leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you. Go leave your life of sin. Okay. So Jesus tells a story, which is a way that God often confronts people with an obvious truth. Remember, remember uh, when uh, the prophet Nathan told David that story about the sheep and, uh, and you are the man. That's... that's uh, that's what Jesus does. He says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, whom he cancelled the larger debt. And, he said, and Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Now, the equivalence of that in today's terms would be one, one owed him about 80 grand and one owed him about 8,000. So that's, you know, um, what's 80 grand? New Prado, maybe? I don't know. Yep. And about 14 Falcons. I know what I'd take. Um, both had debts. Both were forgiven their debts. Who would love him more? And Simon says, I suppose, you know what he means by that, I suppose, that means I know what's right. I don't want to say it because I know you're right. I, but I, I, I get the concept you're bringing. I don't like it. But you, can you see what this is saying? Jesus is saying, by the way, both of you are debtors. Both are sinners. Can you hear that? Both of you are guilty. Both need cleansing. One thought he could overcome his own dirtiness by his own means, but she had no hope. She thought she couldn't overcome it, so all she could do was come to Jesus. Then Jesus turned to the woman and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with the tears and wiped them with the hair. What's Jesus doing there? He's actually exposing Simon's sin, his inadequacies. Not the sins of commission, you know, the sins you do when you do things that are wrong. Because often, sometimes people say stuff like, oh, I reckon I've gone three weeks without sin, <laughs> and stuff like that. People say that. Yeah. Often what they're thinking about is, I haven't done this particular sin, and I haven't done that, the thou shalt nots. But they always forget the thou shalts, the things that you should do that you don't do, yeah? But, uh, uh, I forget what I was saying there. Okay, Jesus exposed her sin. Here's some things you didn't do, Simon. She did it. He also said, 
Look at this woman. Have you, have, did, I don't know if you actually noticed her. Did you see that this is a real person? This is somebody who has value before God? Do you see this woman? Because you see, he didn't see anybody else. He did see her, but he considers her worthless. Because, as I said before, self-righteous people think they are worth more than other people. That's just the reality. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. This woman had served Jesus more than the Pharisee. He was worried about the outer things, what everybody else saw, but this woman actually gave at the total expense to her dignity. She didn't care about any of that. She served Jesus. She did what a slave or a servant should have done at the door, wiped off the dirt from his feet with her hair. Jesus washed his disciples' feet too, didn't he? He showed the true nature of godliness in servanthood. And this woman served in that same way. So Jesus exposed Simon's sin. He wasn't so righteous after all. Yeah, do you get that? Okay. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. The more a person is forgiven, the more they love. In a real sense, it's not so much about the more they're forgiven. It's the more that they acknowledge their sin. Because Simon was a sinner, he just didn't see it or he didn't believe it. When a person is conscious of their sin, they will marvel at God's forgiveness. How amazing is God's forgiveness? And they'll never want to stop thinking about it. But when they're conscious of their own righteousness, well, Jesus is kind of a bit of a help up, which is, in a tangent sort of way, one of the great problems of the modern Western church. We don't want Jesus as the Lord and the Saviour. We want him as a bit of a pep talk to give us a, what can I get out of Jesus? What's he going to give me? What are the advantages? I, I don't, because people say, I don't come to church because I'm really not getting anything. It's like, we, are we not on about glorifying God? Isn't he not the centre of our universe? It's not about what you get out of him, is it? Yeah, well, what interest rate am I going to get out of Jesus? Better than my superannuation policy? I'm being silly. Okay. Much sin, much repentance, much forgiveness, much love. Can you see that progression? It's natural, isn't it? She loved much because she was forgiven much and she knew she had sinned much. So what if our sin is little? Maybe we haven't been that sinful, so we won't love that much. So we kind of got to resort to an average relationship with God where all these sinners get a really good one. Is that the point? I reckon maybe if we had a look, we should consider how sinful we might be because we might be a lot worse than we think. Because you see, I'm not 100% sure who was the 8,000, who was the 80,000. Jesus didn't expose her sin, he exposed his sin. 
Uh, maybe that's just my thoughts. Because here was Simon thinking he could live and create his own righteousness without God. Who was the greatest sinner? What could be a greater sin than thinking you don't need the provision of God's saving? So, if you think you're particularly good, not that bad, get over yourself, is what I'm saying. You need Jesus. You need a saviour. You need to admit it. And a bit of repentance and tears wouldn't hurt anybody, hey? If you have a little knowledge of sin, you have little repentance, you have little love, you are more self-centred and you are more on about glorifying yourself than glorifying the Lord. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The example I often use for this forgiveness is, um, do you know when Jesus, uh, you know they cut a hole in the roof and lower a bloke down Right? And, 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 and Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and go home. Now, the, the take up the mat, that pick up your mat, lift up your mat, is actually the same word as forgiveness. Forgive. He's not saying forgive your mat. It hasn't been particularly bad. What it's saying is forgiveness is like having the weight lifted off of us of our sin and guilt, which is exactly what's happening for this woman. Okay? So when God... You know, sorry, do you know how sin is a very, very heavy, it's a heavy load for us, isn't it? One thing we can do with our heavy load is to make out it's not a heavy load and try and live life and, and hide and do all this other stuff. But what we really need is the weight of our sin lifted off of us. He said, your sins are forgiven. You, the weight of your guilt, the weight of your shame is lifted off. You are set free. I just want to say to you, do you need to hear that word today? Do you need to hear that the weight of your sin has lifted off? Well, it'll happen something like this. <laughs> there'll be repentance, there'll be faith. Yeah. And a whole lot of... No, no, sorry, that's it. Yeah. Okay. She was set free from her sin, her guilt and her shame. Jesus could say that because... He was going to bear her sins on the cross. That's how he could pronounce her forgiveness. He was going to take the punishment himself. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? They are like, give me some of that. I want that for myself. They're amazed at his forgiveness. They, oh, that, what they're saying, well, I want to hear that. You know, you just said to her, your sins are forgiven. I want to hear that. Can you say that to me? I want to feel that. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. peace. She has been saved. Salvation has come to her. What's her faith in? Him. In what he can do, could do and was doing and would do. Faith in the gospel. Faith in Jesus Christ. You know what the funny thing is about this story? She never said a word. Not a single word. Her faith was obvious, wasn't it? By her actions. Her repentance was obvious. And she was saved by Jesus the Saviour. She was released. She was no longer under bondage. She was clean. 
She was a child of God and he said, go in peace. What sort of peace was that? Peace with God. Peace with God. And not only peace with God, but a knowledge of the fact that through him you have peace with God. Because you can have peace with God and it sounds like I feel peace with God. I feel like God loves me today. But what happens the next day when everything's going wrong and you don't feel like God loves you? You see, that's why he had to speak the words. She was feeling the peace, but he, she needed to hear from him, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So that the next day when she had doubts, was that real? Sometimes we might think that our salvation, like our assurance of salvation is going to come from some sort of experience we've had in the past, that maybe the time you become a Christian, maybe this or that. But some days that'll be challenged. Like I remember once uh, talking about, you know, I become a Christian and this is how it happened and this is what I felt when I confessed my sins and this is something I can always go back to. And then someone says, oh, you know, psychologists talk about the fact that you can have that sort of feeling. It might not be God at all. Yeah? We do, we do not go back to our own experience. We go back to a fact that Jesus has spoken a word, your sins are forgiven. What you have to rely on is the gospel. Not yourself, not your experience, not your feelings of forgiveness. When you hear that word, your sins are forgiven, your faith is saved, you go in peace. Receive it. Can you hear what I'm saying? We want to have, we want to have assurance. It will not come from your own feelings. Put them aside. They're losers. Well, some days they're great. The rest of the time they're losers, right? The devil will try and discredit this fact. You can't be forgiven. I mean, I, I get that you were forgiven, but after what you did after you were forgiven, you can't be forgiven. Except for we have this word. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our minds will try and discredit. But I just want to say this. The King of Kings makes a proclamation over your life when by repentance and faith you trust in the Lord Jesus, your sins are forgiven your faith has saved you, go in peace. Will you receive that today? Um, do you have a prayer of confession and stuff when you do the uh, communion? Yeah, that'll be good. I'm going to stop there and pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for a saviour, our saviour, Jesus. And I want to pray, Father, that you would pour your Holy Spirit upon us this morning. Bring to us conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment that we might know that all of our hope, all of our righteousness and all of our holiness is coming through you and will only ever come through you, that we might submit to you, trust in you, receive you as Saviour. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.